There's a little bit of a spoiler alert that Mo will be speaking. Kind of <laughs> steals my introduction there. Um, but uh, I did want to introduce Mo, especially since if you were here whenever I spoke, he introduced me so well. Actually, he just kind of said, all right, Jeremy's here. Um, but no, I did actually want to say something, some things about Mo. Uh, when I look back, for those who don't know the story, but we do have a, a huge global presence in, in missions. And I'm so excited that we have a leader uh, in Darren, who's not afraid to just, you know, put on the boots and go to Haiti or go to Africa and go to this place around the world and also pour into our community here. But when I think of uh, my wife, Amber, and I, uh, we've known Darren and Shannon now for about 13 years. We've been doing ministry together. And when I look back at the last 13 years, I think of there's some, some highlight, these, these points that just kind of jump out as something changed at that moment. Like, when we met a guy named Philip Peters, and he, he was coming to the Bible study, and he started talking about the opportunity to support some kids in Haiti. When I think about when Darren wrote up on his whiteboard in his office at the time uh, the idea for a conduit mission, and I, I loved it. I was totally on board uh, years ago, about 10 years ago. And then when I think about us sitting, having chicken wings at lunch, uh, and him telling me, ah, Jeremy, I think, I think I'm supposed to be a pastor start a church. When I think of these moments, those are uh, moments that stick out to me. And then I also think about when we actually did launch the church. And I think about a, a period of time where uh, I was full-time with the church, acting as a uh, worship pastor and trying to do some of the executive pastor-ish things before I started uh, work my full-time day job, and now I'm bivocational. But when I think about the, the church, there's another moment that happened that doesn't get shown on a lot of slideshows or doesn't get up on the screen. And that is the, the, the Sunday where Mo and Jen Tiemann and Micah and Gabe came to visit Conduit. That is a day that was huge. Not only just huge for us, for our families, for the kids program, but also along the way, Mo started working with us and then eventually left his position in the music industry to do this full time. And when I think of the moment where we added Mo Tiemann as the executive pastor of this church, I want you guys to know that from me, from 13 years of all this, this is a moment where everything in our church went from here to here. Because it is a very special person that can take somebody like Darren with the ideas that he has and actually help him implement those. And Darren and I have always had a really great relationship and just kind of get a lot of stuff done. But Mo came in and added structure around it. He added so much. And I'm so excited that he's been here, and he's our executive pastor, and he's also become one of my closest friends. And so would you help me and be a little gracious to him this morning? Because executive pastors, you know, they don't always get the opportunity to speak. But Mo has a lot of good things to say. So let's welcome Mo Tiemann. Wow, Jeremy. That was awesome. So, so yeah, the last time Jeremy spoke, <laughs> I intentionally just did not set him up at all. And uh, I just want to try to throw him off track. And it didn't rattle him because he's a seasoned pro, but I'll take you to uh, Chick-fil-A for lunch today. How about that? We're like brothers. I love, I love him. 
Well, good morning. Uh, if we haven't met before, my name is Mo Tiemann. My uh, role here is executive pastor, and that's just a, a big fancy word, and all executive means in Latin is to carry out. And so my main role here is to come alongside our lead pastor, our lead visionary and missionary, Darren Tyler, and help carry out the ideas, the crazy ideas that, that uh, the Lord speaks to him on a regular basis. And uh, kind of to give an example of our working relationship would be that if he decided that we should go tandem skydiving um, as a, as a uh, trust builder for the two of us, um, he would be the one that would jump out of the plane absolutely every time. And I would be the one that would go reluctantly kicking and screaming. Um, but I would be the one to remember to pack the parachute, uh, to remember to pull the cord when I'm supposed to, watching my whatever that's called. Where's, where's, thank you. We have our resident skydivers in the house. I'd be the one to remember to pay the pilot when we land. Um, just all those details. And so it's an honor to serve alongside him. It's an honor to serve this church in that way, and I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Just a quick background of, of myself. I'm married 16 and a half years to my beautiful wife, Jennifer, and have two strapping young boys as sons. Pay attention, gentlemen. Um, <laughs> freshman and sophomore independence, and uh, we moved here about seven years ago. This March will be seven years that we moved to town, and I don't believe it was a coincidence that the month that we moved to town was the, almost the weekend that we moved to town was the weekend that Conduit launched its first service at Independence High School, and we came strolling in. And uh, I believe that was just a, a God-ordained moment for our family and for, for the Tylers and um, for the Hendersons and the Heslips and those few and the Wolbers, the few that were there that Sunday. And we've been involved in some capacity ever since. But before that, when we were, lived in Ohio, uh, my wife and I served in student ministry for a decade, for 10 years, and uh, that, that'll teach you a lot, uh, teaching students and leading and guiding, directing um, student ministries there. But I grew up in the church. Uh, my, my father drove a Sunday school bus. He had a, he had a route that he had every, every morning picking up kids in the community that we were in, and my mom was the church secretary for many years, and so... That was modeled to me, serving in the, in the local church, giving your life to it. That's, that's who, who I am. It's where I come from. It's ingrained in me. I can't help it. And, uh, and, and I'm thankful and grateful to be in a church now where that is modeled to my kids, that they're in an environment here um, that promotes uh, serving and service and volunteerism and giving away more than you take. And uh, I'm just thankful, again, to, to be here serving in that way. So... I am a numbers guy. That's, that's what I do, budgets and um, volunteer teams and planning and calendars and uh, organizing and all of those things. And that chair that's in the back left is driving me crazy, but we'll get to that later. Somebody fix it. I'm just kidding. Um, but before, before Ke Kelly Savage knows what I'm talking about. Um, but before I share some numbers of what the Lord has done at Conduit, through the conduit pipeline in 2016, I wanted to, to share some scripture that reminds me of conduit, the church. You know, last week Darren shared um, what the conduit mission pipeline looked like. This past year, we had over $450,000 flow through the pipeline globally from our little church body uh, across the world. 
And there's two sides to that same coin. You have the mission, and then you have the church, and the church side, and, and, and how we impact various things here in the community and, and uh, amongst ourselves here together. So, but before I share those numbers, I want to read the scripture. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. And this passage just reminds me of the culture of conduit. So starting in verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And it's, this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. And if you lived in Corinth, you were known as a Corinthians. And it's funny, whenever you share that with students, so like the light bulb goes off, like, whoa. Galatians, same thing. Church of Galatia. If you live there, they were called Galatians, and that's where the books come from. But these were letters that Paul was writing to these churches that he helped start. And so in verse 6, he, he, he starts with something that they would be very familiar with, an, an agricultural metaphor with a, a spiritual uh, implication. And so he says this. He says, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And in, in the Greek, that word bountifully simply means blessing, which I think is awesome. You sow blessings, you reap blessings. Such a simple concept. Verse 7, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Verse 7, not grudgingly or of necessity. As he purposes in his heart with intention, with obedience, with a plan. You know, we get, as a church, we give with a purpose. We don't just willy-nilly throw money to organizations or to certain places just because of this or that. We are very intentional about who we come along and support. And there's a plan involved. And that's what he's reminding us here. And in verse, verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. In verse 9, as it is written, anytime you see as it is written, it's generally referring to an Old Testament text. In this case, Psalms 112. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And in verse 10, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of of your righteousness. If you remember, a year ago, we launched what was called the Untangled campaign. And Untangled was simply a, uh, a, a campaign, an effort for all of us to understand what God's word has to say about stewardship. And it was from our kids to our teens to our adults. We spent nine weeks studying through Financial Peace University classes and understanding what God's word has to say about stewardship. And over that time, we learned several things. We learned that, well, three things mainly. We learned that, one, God owns it all. Two, he asks us to manage it. And three, we do it for God's glory. And it was an incredible time during those three months. Many families, many of you, individuals, removed loads of debt from your personal lives. Um, you, some of you started saving uh, savings plans or savings accounts. Um, many of you started rearranging your finances and your, your time, your talents, and your treasure and started stewarding that in a way that 
exemplifies what God's word has to say about it. And so over this past year, we started that in January. So January through December, we experienced some momentum as a church. And that's kind of what I want to share this morning. And so I'm going to throw some numbers up here. And if you're new here, bear with this, but this just gives us a snapshot of kind of who we are as a church. I'm going to write some numbers up here. So 305. Anybody want to take some guesses? Maybe we should make this like a game show scenario. I don't know. Free lunch to Chick-fil-A. Um, 305. 305 is our average attendance each Sunday for the past 52 weeks for the year of 2016. 305 is how many were in this building on a Sunday. Now, you may have been here when it was much more than that, like an Easter Sunday um, or during the spring or the fall when we've been closer to maybe 370 or 375 on a Sunday, and you've been here when the weather's horrible or fall break, spring break, and it's more like 250. But over the course of the year, 305. And this number is actually up 10% from last year, which is exciting. That's growth. And if you look back over the past four years, we've actually had double-digit increase over the past four years consecutively, year over year, which, again, speaks to momentum. 117. 117 is the amount of active volunteers that we have helping out every month. 117 of you serve in some way, some capacity here at Conduit, which if you do some really quick math, it's almost a third of you guys are involved, whether it's meeting and greeting at, the, at our doors, making coffee, nursery, our toddlers and pre-K, our elementary school students, our midweek uh, students that meet in the basement on Wednesdays, our worship team, media team, it goes on and on, 117 of you guys. And one of our growing needs is our nursery, uh, the need for nursery workers. We are busting at the seams because you all loved fellowship. Um, if you get my drift, we got babies coming everywhere. And those babies are going to grow up, and they're going to go to the next class, the toddlers and the, the pre-K, and we, we're going to need more space at some point, and, which is a great thing. That speaks to momentum. And then our next number is the number six. 6,000. So each year I'm tasked with putting together a budget for the church. And at the beginning of 2016, I did that. But as this church, as you became more obedient and more generous with your giving, we reached a point where we were experiencing a $6,000 per month, what I call surplus, above and beyond what we expected to receive each month, which is incredible. The, the generosity and the cheerful giving that he's talking about here happened here at our church. And so with that, we were able to do some things that we weren't necessarily planning on at the beginning of the year, but because of of your generosity, we had the freedom to do so. One of those things was our Conduit Mission Summit that we had in the fall. You know, we have a slew of families and missionaries that are all across the world that serve. We invited them back for a week, back home, kind of a homecoming, where we could just pour into them and love on them and give them the rest and the resources they needed before heading back out. And quite honestly, they probably poured more into us the time that they were here. And that was something we were able to do that we weren't planning on doing, but we were able to do that. 
Place of Hope down the street had some needs that came up throughout the year. And Place of Hope is an incredible ministry down in Columbia that you've heard us talk about quite often. But they had some needs that, come, that came up throughout the year. And we were able to help at the drop of a hat, which is incredible. And one of the, the, the most obvious things that we were able to do, if you look around the room, is renovate and remodel this church building. Two years ago when we uh, experienced the miracle of receiving this building, uh, it, it looked a lot like a, um, hmm, how should I put this lightly? It was not great. Uh, country blue carpet with coffee stains for days and uh, pews that had been had seen some much better days. This room looked completely different. And over this past year, we've able, been able to put in new carpet through the entire church building, all of our classrooms. We took out these two classrooms in the back and expanded our seating. Um, you're sitting in nice, comfortable chairs. Last, a year ago, we were sitting in plastic, broken chairs, a few of which broke on folks during the middle of service. That's awkward. Um, redid the stage. Uh, Alex did our wood wall back here. Thank you, Alex. Well done. Beautiful. Uh, redid our porch area. And if you haven't noticed, we, we painted the entire building. That's kind of a, a big deal. Um, but we were able to do that with cash. We didn't have to take out an, an improvement loan. We didn't have to borrow any money. We didn't even have to take from savings. It was straight cash along the way, which is incredible, which leads me to my next number. Well, so you can all see it. Zero. Zero is the amount of debt that Conduit holds. Zero. I referenced a minute ago the, the miracle of us uh, being given a 13,000 square foot building on 11 acres in what would be described as prime real estate in Williamson County in Middle Tennessee is unbelievable. And I don't know if you really understand the gravity of it, but it's huge. And it's only because the Lord has decided to bless. You reap. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. And I feel like this church has been an example of that. This, this, this zero can also reflect the amount that we pay in utilities each month, believe it or not. The light bill still comes. We still need propane in the tank. Water bill happens. Um, on and on it goes. However, because... We want to be good stewards of this building. We uh, are able to partner with various uh, tutorials um, throughout the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. There's hundreds of kids running around this building and parents um, being discipled and poured into through the uh, different cooperatives and tutorials that happen. And there's another church that actually meets here on Sundays. They'll be here in a few hours. They're a startup church that actually used to meet at Independence High School where we were, but have now decided to meet here in the afternoons. And it's because of those different lease agreements, all of that that comes in each, each month offsets all of our utilities, which is incredible. And so because of that, again, we are able to act freely and give freely, both here in the community and across the world. So as we celebrate the numbers, I ask, so what? <laughs> so what? We can't simply live on last year's blessings for this year. You know, the farmer down the road 
He's already planning out what this what this year's harvest is going to look like. He's got a plan he's putting in place. He's probably buying inventory of seed and thinking about when he's going to start cultivating and tilling the ground and begin planting the seed for this year. We have to do the same. We can't continue to just sit here and rely on last year's blessings. This is a very, very simple, very simple lesson, and I won't keep you long today at all. But if you could turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6, starting in verse 7. You'll be first in line at the Henpeck Buffet today. It's fantastic, by the way. Starting in verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And we're continuing this theme, this agricultural metaphor with very clear spiritual implication in our lives. And growing up in the environment that I grew up in, in the church that I was part of, that always had a negative connotation. It was always steered in a way of judgment. And while an element of that is true, the flip side is also true. You see, you, you sow good seeds, you're going to reap a harvest of, of great seeds. We've experienced that this year. You sow bountifully, we will reap bountifully. In verse 8, it says, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And so when he's talking about the Spirit versus the flesh, we have to be reminded, and, and, I, and I, this is a reminder for me as I was studying this, and I hope it's a reminder for you, especially as we head into a new year, that you are at war every day. I am at war every day. The Spirit versus the flesh, the spirit warring against the flesh. And these are decisions that you make every day. And so Paul clarifies himself and breaks down the difference between sowing to the spirit and sowing to the flesh. And then if you look at the chapter just before, chapter 5, chapter 5 and verse 16, he reminds us, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Seems like a simple equation. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. In verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murderers, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. It's a pretty big list when we sow to the flesh. And it's the ones that aren't as obvious on that list, I think, that we struggle with the most. I mean, it's, it's obvious, I would hope, it's obvious that you do not go out and kill someone today. Commit murder. But it's those, those seeds of the flesh that, of jealousy or dissension, an argumentative spirit that can start to take root. And he's warning us against this. In the flip side, verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
You know, when I think of when I think of the flesh versus the spirit and this this imagery of of sowing seeds and plants and gardens, I'm reminded of a neighbor I had in Ohio. It was about two doors down. His name was Mr. Bill. And Mr. Bill was elderly. He was probably in his late eighties and um couldn't really get out in the yard much anymore, and, and, and so his, his yard and his grass had, was way overgrown. He just couldn't get to it. He had a front porch with a landscape area that was just just completely overgrown, weeds and thorns and bushes. And I'm two doors down, and, and I'm kind of, this might surprise you, but I'm kind of particular about my yard, and uh, I, just, I just like it looking nice most of the time or all the time, and, and he, he's kind of killing the, you know, the vibe on the block here, Mr. Bill. I need you to mow your yard. So, uh, so I went over and, and knocked on his door and, and I said, Mr. Bill, if, if you don't mind, uh, could I take care of your yard for you? I'll mow it. I'll trim it down. You know, he couldn't get to it, and I selfishly wanted it cleaned up. Lord, forgive me. But so I went at it. And he, was, he was gracious, and he, he let me at it. And I spent the whole day mowing his yard and, and taking everything out. I mean, I pulled every tool out of the garage as I possibly could, just mowing this thing down. Bushes, weeds, vines, thorns, everything. It was gone. And it looked great when I was done, mind you. I, I, th- I thought it looked amazing. You could actually see the front porch and the front door now. It's good. So I knock on the door and I let him know. And I wrapped up and I didn't, I didn't want anything for it. Just wanted to help him out. And he, he walks out on the porch and kind of folds his arms and kind of looks over and he says, son? Where's my rose bush? And I was about as white as a ghost, and my stomach was in my throat, and I, I had completely destroyed, utterly mutilated, and disposed of his prized rose bush that his wife had given him 30 years ago. And he went on to tell me all the stories of what it meant each year and how he was looking forward to this, you know, this spring and summer. Of, uh, but it, <laughs> I felt horrible. And I was telling this story to the boys, and they're like, so, Dad, did you go buy a new one and plant one? I'm like, gosh, man, if I'd have been that smart when I was their age, I would have done that. But no, I didn't. But I learned that if the garden of our heart isn't continually tilled and cared for, those seeds that have potential for beauty and blessing will get choked out by the weeds of laziness and apathy. Those things that are meant to be beautiful those seeds that we sow that mean a lot to us or we're being led by the Spirit, if we don't continually cultivate our hearts and take inventory of our garden, it gets completely run over and you can't even tell the difference. And that's a lesson that I learned through that. that Pulling weeds and planting seeds is really the story of life. We must continually till the soil of our hearts through prayer, through the Word, and through the fellowship. We have to take inventory. I mean, we all have had gardens or tried. And it's amazing how quickly the weeds can take over and choke out anything that you meant for good. I tried, I tried growing a strawberry patch once. It was fun for about the first spring. And then it was overrun because I didn't take care of it. So was our, so was our hearts. The same with our hearts. In Galatians 5.22, he continues, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. 
And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. When we sow and walk in the Spirit, these are the characteristics that are shown. These are the virtues that should be evident as a mature disciple. And I think it's really interesting that it says fruit of the Spirit. It does not say fruits of the Spirit. It says fruit of the Spirit. They're not mutually exclusive, these nine things. You can't just have, you, you can't just have love and joy and peace under control, but ignore your gentleness and self-control. You can't just have the goodness and kindness and compassion spring forth, but not do it in love or have joy. They're not mutually exclusive. It says a fruit of the Spirit, which is an amazing thought. I want to read this in the message. It's a paraphrase, uh, not so much a translation, but a paraphrase. And I just want to read this same passage. And Mr. Eugene Peterson, who is a very wise man, put it this way. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick to things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good, crucified. Verse 25, since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads, or as a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. It's beautifully written and an incredible reminder for us. This year, as we start a new year, you know, every January, gym memberships are through the roof, across the globe. They start off strong, but by about next week, it starts falling off. It's still time. We're, we're just breaking into this year. And it's, it's my challenge to you, it's my challenge to myself that, that we are aware of the type of seeds we're sowing this year. The type of seeds that we're sowing into our marriages, do they look like seeds of the flesh? Do they look like seeds of the spirit? The type of seeds that we sow into our children, what kind of words are we saying to them? What kind of example are we being to them? What kind of seeds are we sowing into the community? Is it seeds of jealousy or dissension? Or are they seeds of peace? You know, next week um, at Harpeth Christian down the road, there are there's a forum. It's one of the first ever race relations forums that 
this area has seen, and we are partnering with them. And there's going to be, I think, five or six pastors uh, starting out from across Williamson County, and we're going to we're going to sit down and talk about what does race relations look like in Williamson County, and how does it line up with what it, God's word has to say about that, about peace. You know, there's there's several there's two or three African American churches within a mile from this church, and we've never met. But we will this next weekend when we all meet together and talk about it. And you guys are invited to that. It's an open forum. We're going to have some more information um, on our website and in our emails and post it around. But what kind of seeds are we going to sow into the community? And as we do it individually, together corporately, what kind of seeds can we sow as a church this year? What does 2017 look like for Conduit? It's my hope that as we give bountifully, that we reap bountifully. I, I would love for these numbers to be blown away for next year. Not because I'm just a numbers guy, because I do love numbers. But because God gets all the glory for it. It's not about us. We are just managing it. We get the privilege of managing it. We get the honor of managing it. The bottom line here, and you hear Darren say this a lot, and I try to remember this every day, rings in my head all the time. Are you moving from selfish to selfless? If there was a, what I call a, I'll call a surrender spectrum, where are you on that spectrum? Are you selfish? Keep things tight. You sow your seed sparingly. Seeds of envy, jealousy. Or on the spectrum, are you closer to over here the way Christ defines a mature Christian should look, and that is one of surrender. You're, sowing, you're just sowing seeds openly. Fruits of the Spirit. Where are you on the spectrum? That's a question I, I try to ask myself every day in every situation, and it's hard because there's a lot of times where it's just easier to be selfish just easier. But the Lord reminds us and he beckons us to walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. And that was Darren's admonishment to us last week as we kicked off the year. What is the Lord speaking to you about this year? What does it look like? Are you praying about it? Are you seeking his word for it? What could 2017 hold for Conduit? I don't know. I'm excited to know, though. I'm excited to see what happens. Let's stand and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your many, many blessings. Not just into my life and into my family, Lord, but corporately as a church. You have... You have found favor in this little church in the middle of a cornfield. Lord, thank you. Lord, may we honor you by giving it away as you entrust it to us. Lord, I, I ask for just a spirit of humility among our staff and leadership. Lord, amongst our volunteers. Lord, amongst anyone that steps through this door that a spirit of humility 
just camps out here. Lord, and through that humility that we are closer to being selfless in a position of surrender to you. Lord, I ask that you search our hearts, God. Cultivate our hearts, till the garden of our hearts. Lord, I ask that you just rip out the weeds of our hearts. Start with me, God. Lord, take away the thorns. Take away the things that aren't supposed to be there so that you can plant seeds that will grow in a healthy environment. Lord, let the spirit just rain down and start to develop those seeds that they take root. Lord, help us to take inventory of our hearts today, this week. Lord, and we pray for Darren and James and David, staff down in Haiti. Lord, watch over them and protect them. Lord, help them to continue to sow the seeds of the Spirit there. There's some amazing things happening there. Lord, watch over it, bless it, multiply it for your glory. Lord, that the seeds that are planted there in Haiti will change the culture. Lord, that the gospel will be spread, that those plants will grow deep roots and change the generation for you. Lord, and help us here in Williamson County to not be apathetic. Lord, help, help our garden to stay fresh and not get hard-hearted. Lord, that when it rains, Lord, that we soak it in and we can grow. Thank you for all that you're doing in this community. Lord, in this church, we honor you. We thank you. We are blessed to be under your leadership, God. We ask these things in your name. Amen.